another day. Right after he said that, he missed four days. He was right. He didn't miss a day. He missed four. See, Saul's oath in the name of the Lord reminds us that spiritual jargon means nothing. Just because somebody can speak Christianese doesn't necessarily make them a Christian. As certainly as the Lord lives, Saul was in complete disobedience and darkness. He is in darkness. And this is the last time Saul uses the name of the Lord. He uses it to swear to a medium that she will not be punished. Throughout the Bible, we read about how God hates hypocrisy and vain religious rituals. The main group of people Jesus was continually rebuking was the religious Jewish leaders of his day. They said all the right things, they appeared to be godly on the outside. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs filled with dead man's bones because they were spiritually dead inside even though they appeared righteous. Pastor Mark will be encouraging us to be honest and not revert to just speaking Christianese but to truly be genuine. There's a freedom that comes with being sincere. God simply wants a relationship with you. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 28 with today's edition of Come Alive. Saul seeks the medium. He brings upon himself a curse. God said in Leviticus 26, and the person who turns after mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. And so when you start to play around with witchcraft and those things like that, well, guess what? You've just made God your enemy. Bring up the one I shall name for you, Saul asked. So, hey, I'm going to name somebody. Can you, can you call them up from the dead? Now, if I was Samuel, I'd be a little upset with Saul. I'd be like, bro, man, I, I, I was in like the best place ever. And you're bringing me back. So Saul's going to ask this medium to channel the deceased prophet Samuel. He does this because he wants to know what God might say to him. He wants to know what God's going to say to him. Saul is like a man going to a palm reader to hear the will of God. If you want to hear it, here's this. If any of you are considering that or have played around with it, you might be like, oh, yeah, I did it once. It wasn't a big deal. It's a very big deal. It's a very big deal. It's a, a big, scary deal. So this shows the depth of Saul's fall from God, that he's got to go to somebody else to channel a prophet so he can hear from God. It's kind of like if you and your girlfriend or you and your husband or your wife are in a fight and you got to call somebody and have them call somebody so that somebody can call your spouse and say, hey, tell me what's going on. Here's what so-and-so said. And there's going to get a lot of junk twisted up in the middle. And then you get extra people involved, which is just weird. But so this shows the depth of Saul's fall. It's affected his mind, and he obviously isn't thinking clearly here. So once Saul rejected the truth, he was likely to fall for even the most foolish deception. And so I think Nicodemus sneaking around at night, you know, I think about this also when I see Saul sneaking around, but yet Nicodemus was pretty smart. He goes to Jesus. He went to Jesus, and he got the truth. Uh, Saul just finds a medium, 
Look at verse 9, and it says, And then the woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul has done. Now he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Now, again, funny stuff. He swears by the Lord, yet he's sitting there with a medium. And so the medium thinks that this is some kind of setup, that she's going to be snared by the government. And so Saul assures her, and by swearing in the name of the Lord, no less, that she won't be punished. I know people that do this. The people who are always, and and you know what, where I see these people the most is on like cops and disorderly conduct, those little white trash TV shows that I love to watch. You see those guys all the time. I swear to God, it wasn't me. I swear, I swear by the, I swear by God. I swear my mother's grave. It's like, really? That's really, you know, you're on video. They just chased you 15 miles. And you're swearing that it wasn't you? It's weird. And so here he starts swearing. Usually when somebody starts to swear like that, you're pretty much sure that, you know what, they're not going to hold up to their end of the deal. I can almost guarantee you. I have an employee that does that a lot. I swear. I promise. I swear. I won't miss another day. Right after he said that, he missed four days. He was right. He didn't miss a day. He missed four. See, Saul's oath in the name of the Lord reminds us that spiritual jargon means nothing. Just because somebody can speak Christianese doesn't necessarily make them a Christian. As certainly as the Lord lives, Saul was in complete disobedience and darkness. He is in darkness. And this is the last time Saul uses the name of the Lord. He uses it to swear to a medium that she will not be punished. Look at verse 11. And then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? And and he said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And so he said to her, What is this form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Let's stop there. So I find it funny that this lady can call the dead, and she's a channel, yet she starts freaking out when she really sees the dead. She was a a trickster. It was a hoax. But first, before I start making fun of her, like I do with Dionne Warwick, why did Saul want to see Samuel? Well, considering the time, Samuel strongly rebuked Saul, such as in 1 Samuel 15, 22. If you remember that, he was rebuked. And we might think that Samuel was the last person Saul would want to speak to or see because of Samuel constantly rebuking Saul. Probably Saul wanted to remember his good old days with Samuel. And there were some good times when the prophet was the guide and his mentor, like in chapter 9, at the end of chapter 9. So why the medium is so shocked that she sees a dead guy. I mean, she's just completely freaking out when you read this. She's blown away. And so here she she was a fraud. Most of her dealings with the spirit realm were probably mere tricks. And so now Samuel really appears in the world beyond, and she's completely surprised to have a real encounter with a spirit in the spirit realm. She's probably like, wow, I'm pretty good. And never thinking that God might be up there going, man, I'm, I'm just going to play with both of these idiots. These guys are crazy. 
In addition, we can say that this medium was familiar with the presence of demonic spirits because the presence of the Holy Spirit was probably completely unfamiliar to her. She saw something more powerful than she probably ever did see if she did see the real dead. She probably was like, whoa, wait a minute. Because it says she, she started kind of yelling and freaking out. The holy presence of the Holy Spirit may have seemed terrifying to her. And sometimes it's terrifying to others. The indications are that this was an extraordinary event for her, a frightening one, because she was not in control. She wasn't in control of the situation at all. And I believe Samuel did actually appear to Saul. And that he was sent by a special mercy of God to warn this infatuated king, King Saul, of his approaching death, that he might have an opportunity to make his peace with his maker. So when we close our ears to God, as we wrap up this little section, as we close our ears to God, he's going to find unusual, perhaps even uncomfortable um, ways that you may not think that he's going to speak to you. And you may think, well, it's only through the Bible, or it's only through a Christian brother. Uh, But what about, you know, the donkey? What about... What about that? How does God speak to you? It says it may not always be the same. But sometimes when we close our ears to God, he may say, okay, cool. That's all right. You want to ignore me? I'm going to give you one last chance. And it may be another brother or sister in the Lord. But he didn't come in response to her call. God didn't come in response to the medium's call. He was, the Holy Spirit came because he was sent by God for the express purpose of rebuking Saul. Or Samuel was sent for the express purpose of rebuking Saul for his unholy traffic with, with these evil things uh, to, to pronounce his doom. So, so here it is, you know, Samuel shows up. She freaks out. And Saul sits there with his mouth wide open because what he hears next well, look at verse 15. Now Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Now you got to think about this. I'd probably say the same thing. Why are you bugging me, dude? And Saul answered, I'm deeply distressed for the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I've called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. And then Samuel said, so why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? Become his enemy. Well, we know what the Bible tells us. When, the, when, when we're so prideful, God opposes us. God becomes our enemy. And so we see some pride here from Saul, and we've seen it for a long time. Verse 17, and the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. See, this is an indication to us that the reality of the world beyond, this is letting us know that there is a real place beyond what you and I see is our world. It's very real. And though he passed from this world, Samuel was in a real place, living in a real existence. And we need to live every day with the understanding of the reality of eternity. I don't think a lot of Christians do that. I don't think we live with the reality of the world beyond. Much of this life will only make sense in light of that world to come. Especially as a Christian. Samuel was not in heaven. Some of you might think he was, but he's not. He's not in heaven. Jesus explained in the story of the rich man and Lazarus in in Luke 16. He says that before the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that believing dead went to a place of comfort and blessing known as Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is where, 
where we see that Samuel was probably resting in that place of comfort. So when Jesus finished his work on the cross, the sin's penalty was paid for. These believing dead, and, and they were then ushered into heaven. They, they were ushered into heaven. Remember uh, all the dead, the, the graves shook, and there's all these people walking around, all the resurrection. It was, yeah, I mean, that'd be cool to see, to see all those people walking around. So God never departs from a man here until the man has departed from him. And we see that happening here with Saul. So here Samuel's in this comfortable place known as Abraham's bosom. And the other thing that we need to kind of look at is that, you know, Samuel said, so why do you ask me seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? Why do you need me to tell you what you already know? And Saul asks for guidance. Saul asks for guidance. So then in the interest of righteousness, God is against that man. God is against that man, Saul, in the interest of righteousness. God's against that man, and it's the pride that's going to, again, make God oppose you. So Saul asks for guidance, and it's kind of like, really, bro? What what do you want to know? You know what to do. You know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to repent, but... At what point in time is it too late? And I think this is a time that it's too late. What Saul really wants is reassurance. He just wants reassurance. Many people want that. They just want reassurance. A lot of times people call up and they say stuff and they just want reassurance. It's like, oh, I can't give you that. i got to give you the truth. When you blow it, you blow it. You might have to suffer consequences. And when you suffer those consequences, hey, yeah, you're forgiven. But the consequences are still possibly there. So what does Samuel say to Saul? Why, he says, why do you ask me, seeing that the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? This is a very logical question for Samuel to ask. Again, Samuel was on God's side. Hopefully, if somebody asks you a question, you're on God's side and you're able to give them the truth and not be like, well, I'm worried about their friendship, man. It's because, you know, I, I don't want to upset them. I don't want to ruin their day. You know what? Sometimes it may be worth ruining someone's day so their life isn't ruined. One day compared to a whole life, if you really just weigh it out, I'd rather have one day ruined. So if the Lord wouldn't tell Saul what he wanted, he didn't have any reason to believe that Samuel would, but perhaps Saul is seeking and hoping that the news would, well, eventually get better. Uh, But we see that it never really does. Samuel confirms what God has already said to Saul, and it's a consistent message. That's the test of any spirit is what the Bible says is a spirit encounter angelic revelation is its faithfulness to the biblical message. It doesn't matter what kind of impressive encounter one has with a spiritual being, even if it's an angel from heaven. Um, Galatians one eight says, "Preach any other go- if they preach any other gospel to you, let him be accursed. Let them be accursed." Look at verse eighteen, and we'll move on. We got to cover a lot of ground. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce, fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. So he gets the reason why it happened. Samuel calls Saul's mind back to the events recorded in chapter 15. In that chapter, Samuel told Saul, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. For he is not a man that he should relent. Apparently, in the 15 or so years since the events of, of chapter 15, Saul thought perhaps maybe the Lord had changed his mind. How many of us actually think that? Well, maybe God had changed his mind. Well, the Bible tells us that he doesn't change his mind. Samuel came to tell Saul that the Lord had not changed his mind at all, that it's still going to happen. And when the medium saw Samuel, she said he was covered with a mantle. 
Remember, she said that. It was probably Saul's robe, which would have identified him as both a prophet and a priest. And so by that, when Samuel announced that God would take the kingdom away from Saul, Saul grabbed Samuel's robe, remember, back in, in, uh, in, um, in desperation, in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 15, verse 27, he grabs, he grabs Saul's robe and tears it. The same word used for mantle in chapter 28 is likely the same word that Samuel appeared when he appeared before that medium. Saul wore that same robe just to kind of remind the medium what's going on, that this is really Samuel. Look at verse 19. And it says, Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you, uh, with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. So Saul learns from Samuel that he's going to die tomorrow. How, how would you like to hear that? Hey, guess what? Tomorrow you're dead. What would you do different today? So Saul asked to know what I should do, and Samuel never told him what to do. He, he never mentions what to do because it was too late to do anything. All Samuel told him was what's going to happen, that God's judgment was already in motion. And so before this time, Saul had plenty of time to repent, but now time has run out. And we can never, ever assume that we will have as much time as we want to repent. The desire to repent and the opportunity to repent are gifts from God, is what the Bible tells us. They're gifts from God. And if we have that desire, that opportunity may be today for some of us. We must seize upon it because there may not be a tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen. And so when Samuel said, you and your sons will be with me, it, did it mean that Saul was going to go to that place of comfort? Not necessarily because going back to that story with Jesus and telling the story of Lazarus, there's Abraham's bosom. There's a place of comfort and a place of discomfort. And so that's probably where Saul will go. And so the story Jesus told is the blessed dead and the cursed dead were both in the same general area. Just one was a place of comfort, one of uncomfort. So the believing dead were in one place of comfort, known as Abraham's bosom, but the cursed uh, dead were in a place of torment. So Saul would be in that same general area as Samuel, just not in the same specific place. So when judgment fell upon Saul, it would also trouble the people around him, and his sons would die. And we see that this, this is one of those things where, hey, your sin has an effect on all kinds of people all around you, not just you. One man blows it, and look how sin affects those around him. His sons die too. And not only an ignorant man would assume this doesn't hurt anyone but himself, but look at verse 20. And immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel, and there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day or all night. And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have put my life in my hands and heeded the words which you spoke to me. Now, therefore, please heed also the voice of your maidservant and let me set a piece of bread before you and eat. So, I mean, think about how crazy this is. It wasn't just that Samuel told Saul that he was going to die or fall in battle before the Philistines. Far worse, Saul was, to Saul was the knowledge that the Lord was his adversary, that he wasn't going to lose just to the Philistines, but he had already lost to God. And the Philistines are against him. And it's a sad day in the life of a person when a witch is your only comfort. <laughs> you got to think about it. I mean, when I read this, I was like, dude, poor Saul. 
I mean, I feel bad for him. Like the whole time I read this and I studied this and weeks before as I read it, I'm like, man, come on, Saul, you'll be able to pull this thing out any moment, man. Though I know the end of the story, I still kind of root for the underdog going, come on. And the reason I do that is because, you know what? I know some of those guys. I've been one of those guys. And I feel bad for those guys that just don't get it, that continue to do the same dumb thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. That's the definition of crazy. Just doing the same thing. It's kind of like hitting yourself in the face with a hammer, thinking it'll stop. Yeah, if you stop. If you just set your will. If you're just obedient to the Lord. I mean, it's really sad to read this. I'm really bummed about this. See, I believe Saul would be far better off not having found out his future. So the question is, what's God trying to tell you and me? Let's finish it up. But he refused, and he said, or verse 22, Now therefore, please heed also the voice of your maidservant, and let me set a piece of bread before you, and eat that you may have strength when you go your way. But he refused, and he said, I will not eat. So his servants together with the woman urged him, and he heeded their voice. Then he arose from the ground, and he sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house, and she hastened to kill it. And she took flour, and she kneaded it, and she baked unleavened bread from it. So she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. And then they rose, and they went away that night. So again, a couple of things. Saul would be better off not having found out his future. And the question is, what's God trying to tell you and me? Maybe this is specific for someone here today who has, you know, and it's one of those things where it's been my prayers like, Lord God, whoever has the ears, let him hear this message. So a couple of things, last few. To hear from the Lord, we should begin by obeying what we already know he has told us. If you want to hear from the Lord, begin by obeying those things he's already told us in his word. Another thing, we should reject any connection with the occult or spiritists. Don't go outside of God. And when we close our ears to God, he's going to find unusual and perhaps uncomfortable ways to speak to each of us. And another thing we must understand and appreciate, the reality of the world beyond this present world. Know that. Know that there's someplace other than here. A lot of us don't live that way. And then the test of any spiritual experience or revelation is how to measure it against God's word. You know, you hear me say it often. I'm going to say it today. Don't trust me. I'm a man. I make mistakes. Trust this. Wait. Just take the notes. I mean, I might have misquoted a scripture or something. You can come to me next week and say, hey, dude, you really blew that one out of the water. And I'd be glad to make an announcement and say, hey, I really blew that one out of the water. But don't just trust what some guy says. Test those things against God's word. And then God's word stays the same. Time does not make him change his mind. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a long time. The people we meet in the book of 1 Samuel are quite the characters. We meet a woman who gave her only child to God and a boy who heard and answered the call of the Lord. We also find a frightened king and a brave shepherd boy, both of whom would lead the people of Israel. Through each of these people and circumstances, we discover God's hand at work in powerful ways. We are so glad you tuned in today to Come Alive. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play or iTunes to keep up to date with the latest from Come Alive and the church behind it. 
Calvary Chapel Katy is led by Pastor Mark Martinez and a staff of Jesus-loving, friendly people who do all we can to spread the good news of the gospel to all who walk through our doors. If you're in the Katy area, Tracy has an invitation for you. We'd absolutely love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Katy for our Sunday morning service. We're now meeting at Wood Creek Elementary School, located at 1155 Wood Creek Bend Lane. It's exciting to be in a new space, and we hope you're able to come worship the Savior and study the Bible with us, filling our new home with praise and prayer. Give us a call for more information and directions, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. That's 281-391-5503. Thanks for listening today to Come Alive.